And good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the uh, latest edition of the American Awakening. I am your host, Michael Herzog, and the title for tonight's broadcast, Fool Me Once, Shame on You, Fool Me Twice, Shame on Me. Now, I'm going to share with you some interesting comparisons between the recent attack on Israel and the reporting almost 22 years ago, actually, it's a little more than 22 years ago now, on the events of 9-11. Now, how many of you out there remember the media narrative voiced through every outlet ad nauseum for weeks after the 9-11 attack to the point where most Americans could almost repeat their utterings verbatim without even turning on a TV? 19 Arab hijackers with box cutters hijacked four jet airliners, crashed them into three buildings, and killed nearly 3,000 innocent Americans. And Building 7 collapsed without a plane ever having hit the building at about 5.30 that afternoon. And how long did it take them to lay the blame on Osama bin Laden? Media reports were being blasted late the same day from every mainstream source concurring the likely suspect was indeed Osama bin Laden. And every senator, every congressman, the president, the vice president, the New York Mayor Giuliani, all of them paraded in front of the camera with the same narrative. We've got to get them over there before we see a mushroom cloud over here. I mean, propelling fear, 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 fear. The terrorists, the terrorists, the terrorists, the terrorists. They don't call it programming for nothing, ladies and gentlemen. And remember, our intelligence was totally caught off guard, according to them, and our leaders were quoted many times, saying, well, they couldn't imagine flying airplanes into buildings. Even though it was found uh, later on, the War Department had conducted the exact same drill less than a year prior. The minds of the American people were whipped into a frenzy of unconditional support to track down the culprits to the ends of the earth. Osama and his entire band of Al-Qaeda gypsies, wherever they may be hiding. And meanwhile, on 9-11, George H.W. Bush was having a meeting at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel for the Carlisle Group. And one of the members present at that meeting was none other than Shafiq bin Laden, Osama's brother. Oops, they omitted that part, didn't they? Now, do you see anything wrong with this picture? They forgot to tell you that the Bin Laden family was quietly flown out of New York, right in the midst of all the domestic aircraft being grounded after 9-11. Now, they started in late 2001 by invading Afghanistan because... According to then-Secretary Donald Rumsfeld, Bin Laden was hiding there somewhere in an elaborate cave showing us pictures of the construction, tantamount to the interior of, of a plush and modern condominium. It would be 20 years, and we would learn of the deaths of 2,448 American soldiers and an additional 3,846 U.S. contractors before Joe Biden ordered the disastrous exit that killed 13 more American soldiers and left countless behind to suffer their fate at the hands of the Taliban, not to mention leaving billions in war equipment, tanks, helicopters, planes, munitions, to be seized and used or sold on the Middle Eastern black market. Now, in hindsight, was there anything to be gained by that invasion? Spending $300 million per day for 20 years, $2 trillion. 
And what of bin Laden? Well, according to the official report, he was allegedly found and assassinated on May 2nd in uh, 2011 in Abbottabad, Pakistan, by none other than SEAL Team 6, and his corpse was supposedly dumped in the Arabian Sea. On October 6, 2011, just three months later, 25 members of SEAL Team 6 perished when their helicopter went down during a military operation on the outskirts of Kabul, Afghanistan. Thrown into the Arabian Sea so the sharks could eat him. No evidence ever to be uncovered, and the heroes of SEAL Team 6 mysteriously die in a helicopter clash, crash. Sorry, How convenient. Remind you of anything? Lee Harvey Oswald, lone nut assassin, kills President Kennedy on November 22, 1963. Two days later, Jack Ruby kills Oswald in the basement of police headquarters. Dead men tell no tales. Ever wonder what kind of tales those unfortunate men could tell? Or how about this one? Saddam Hussein has weapons of mass destruction, and we have got to get him over there before we see a mushroom cloud over here. Remember that? March 15, 2003, the United States invaded Iraq. The U.S. military has refused to keep a tally of Iraqi deaths, but the best source estimate shows a catastrophic 2.4 million fatalities. 2.4 million people, military and civilian, dead in a completely unnecessary war. George W. Bush, at an annual press conference dinner, actually joked about not finding any weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, making light of the deaths of more than 2 million people. Now, I could go on with many of their narratives justifying their aggression, Muammar Gaddafi was killing his own people in Libya. Bashir al-Assad in Syria was gassing his own people. The Gulf of Tonkin that drew us into Vietnam. All lies. The same narrative being promoted to this day, justifying the prompting of giving over $100 billion thus far to defend democracy and to defeat the evil Vladimir Putin for an alleged unprovoked attack on the sovereign nation of Ukraine. But for those who have not studied, number one, Ukraine is not a sovereign nation, and number two, read the real history surrounding the Russia-Ukraine incursion and learn the real reason for the Russian police action that began in February of 2022. Now, contrary to what mainstream media would have us believe, Ukraine has lost, according to many credible sources, including, but not limited to, Colonel Doug McGregor and Scott Ritter, the Ukraine army has been decimated. Soldiers are surrendering en masse, and there are many video clips of these surrenders abounding. You can go in and watch them for yourself. They cannot continue to hide the truth much longer to the American people. And in order to feed the insatiable financial appetite of the military-industrial complex in achieving their goals, they need another target, another victim. Now, sadly, our parents and grandparents were warned about this monster of which I'm speaking by two former presidents. First, in January of 1961, by outgoing President Dwight D. Eisenhower. Listen. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. <sighs> then, in April of that same year, we were warned again by President Kennedy. Listen to this. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation 
instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. No president should fear public scrutiny of his program, for from that scrutiny comes understanding, and from that understanding comes support or opposition, and both are necessary. I am not asking your newspapers to support an administration, but I am asking your help in the tremendous task of informing and alerting the American people. For I have complete confidence in the response and dedication of our citizens whenever they are fully informed. I not only could not stifle controversy among your readers, I welcome it. This administration intends to be candid about its errors. For as a wise man once said, an error doesn't become a mistake until you refuse to correct it. We intend to accept full responsibility for our errors, and we expect you to point them out when we miss them. Without debate, without criticism, no administration and no country can succeed, and no republic can survive. That is why the Athenian lawmaker Sola decreed it a crime for any citizen to shrink from controversy. And that is why our press was protected by the First Amendment, the only business in America specifically protected by the Constitution, not primarily to amuse and entertain, not to emphasize the trivial and the sentimental, not to simply give the public what it wants, but to inform, to arouse, to reflect, to state our dangers and our opportunities, to indicate our crises and our choices, to lead, mold, educate, and sometimes even anger public opinion. To educate, folks. A biblical quote is apropos now. Hosea 4-6, the King James Version. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. No one is taught in school the real history of anything. As the famous saying goes, history is written by the winners. Public education now teaches our children what to believe. It no longer teaches how to arrive at a belief, how to research, how to critically think, how to weigh differing perspectives. They also promote critical race theory and have our children questioning their own gender. And the same holds true with the propaganda machine called mainstream media. They tell us what to believe. They are not objective. And for any who doubt, search. Operation Mockingbird, and don't do it through Google as they are part of the matrix. Use DuckDuckGo or Yandex.com. They conveniently omit anything that doesn't fit their narrative. So, with all I've just shared with you, let's fast forward to Thursday, October 5th, this past week, when over 800 Jewish rabbis, accompanied and protected by the Israeli idea, forced their way into the sacred Al-Aqsa Mosque, where they started practicing Talmudic rituals. Now, this is a headline out of Al Jazeera, October of 2023. Israeli settlers storm Al-Aqsa Mosque complex on the fifth day of the Jewish holiday, Sakat. Israeli settlers have stormed the complex in groups and attempted to perform Talmudic rituals, according to the WAQF official. And also, out of Al Jazeera, a headline, Israeli forces attack Palestinian wor worshippers at the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Dozens of Israeli settlers stormed the Al-Aqsa Mosque on the last day of Rosh Hashanah under the protection and occupation forces, the latter assaulting Palestinian worshippers. Now, I want you to imagine that you're in a church of worship, and out of nowhere, your church is invaded by a group that practices a completely unacceptable faith to your beliefs and disrupts and commandeers your worship. 
Would you not be irate? This is evidently what happened last week, folks. Yet, fast forward just a few days later, October 7th, the headline, Hamas attacks Israel. The Israeli government claims they were completely taken by surprise. The Israeli government's claim that it's, it's suspiciously equal to the Bush administration's claim on 9-11. And their claim is that they were taken completely by surprise and had no idea that this would or could happen. And anyone who knows anything about the Shin Bet or the Mossad Israeli intelligence knows that they are the most distrusting and intelligence-capable group on the planet. Even former Israeli intelligence members have come forward and commented that such a claim is impossible. Now, let's hear from just one of those former IDF intelligence officers, and her name was Efrat Finnigson. A year ago, there was a military operation in Gaza to prepare for such events, and ongoingly there are trainings for these kind of scenarios. This raises serious questions for me, anyway, about Israeli intelligence. What happened? Two years ago, there, were, um, there was a successful deployment of underground barriers with sensors to alert exactly on these kind of terrorist breaches. Israel has one of the most advanced and high-tech armies. How come there was zero response to the border and fence breaching? I cannot understand that. Personally, I served in the IDF 25 years ago in the intelligence forces. There's no way, in my view, that Israel did not know of what's coming. A cat moving alongside the fence is triggering all forces. So this? What happened to the strongest army in the world? How come border crossings were wide open? Something is very wrong here. Something is very strange. This chain of events is very unusual and not typical for the Israeli defense system. Something very wrong here. Something very strange. A cat walking along the fence would trigger it, folks. I mean, their intelligence, their IT, their AI, their, their, their high tech is second to none. The Israeli protection, including their Iron Dome, is state-of-the-art in the entire world. One former Israeli intelligence official was quoted as saying that not even a cat could get within 300 feet of that fence separating Israel from Palestine without them knowing it. And yet, on this day, there were no soldiers guarding the fence. No alarms went off. The fence was breached by bulldozers. Towns were attacked. Hundreds were killed. Many were taken hostage, including Americans, allegedly. As many as 5,000 rockets or more rained down destruction on Israel, and their claim is they were taken by surprise. And also notice I said rockets, not missiles. Hamas doesn't have missiles, folks. Now, does this remind you of anything? 9-11, maybe? George W. Bush, we had no idea. It looks as if the Israeli government either allowed it to happen or they did it themselves. Rabbis take over a mosque. They practice Talmudic rituals. Anybody that knows anything about the Talmud, the books of the Talmud, go read that. You'll be horrified. Talmudic rituals. And then less than two days later, a well-planned military strike by land, air, and sea unfolds with hundreds, if not thousands, killed. Hmm. Interesting. Add to that Netanyahu declaring war on Hamas, a group that was encouraged and promoted by Israel way back during the Palestinian, well, you remember the two-state solution proposals within um, PLO leader Yasser Arafat, this is back in the 70s, 80s. An excerpt from an article called Stark Realities, written by Brian McGinchley. I quote, as a former CIA, a senior CIA official told UPI's Richard Sale way back in 2001, Israel's initial boosting of Hamas was a direct attempt to divide and dilute support for a strong secular PLO by using a competing religious alternative. And when it first registered with Israeli authorities way back in 1978, Hamas 
was led then by Sheikh Ahmed Yassin. This guy was a half-blind, wheelchair, wheel-bound Muslim cleric who launched schools and clinics throughout Gaza. And Israel backed his efforts and also approved the founding of the Islamic University of Gaza, which would later go on to become an extremist hub deemed worthy of Israeli bombs, which we see playing out and have been seeing playing out for quite some time. Well, folks, this is called optics. Make it look like you're striving for progress when you're not. Another example might be Biden right now building a border wall, supposedly, but it's only for show because it's only a partial wall. They want us to believe that 19 Muslim hijackers with box cutters commandeered four airliners and killed 3,000 people to get our support to go in and remake the Middle East. And later on in this broadcast, I'm going to tell you why. At least this is why I suspect they're doing it. They want us to believe that Saddam Hussein was a threat and had weapons of mass destruction to scare us into supporting his overthrow, which, by the way, they brought him in in 1979, by the way. I don't know if you knew that or not. He was their guy back then. That was when they were providing weapons of mass destruction to Saddam Hussein, and he was attacking Iran. Remember the Iran-Iraq war? Oh, and by the way, they did this with Muammar Gaddafi as well. They tried it with Bashir al-Assad, and it backfired with, oh, my God, Bashir al-Assad, he's gassing his own people. That turned out to be a lie. No. Folks, there are not two opposing sides. There is one controller or group of controllers at the top. And all of these mid-layer players, mid-level players, okay, from Netanyahu and Biden and Putin, all they're just puppets in their game. And sadly, the people of the world are their pawns. Now, the focus was on Russia. Remember, not too long ago, Putin was the villain. He's a killer and he's a thug. Ukraine was a proxy for the United States and the Ukrainian people. The Ukrainian people were the cannon fodder. The proxy, Ukraine, excuse me, was a proxy for the United States. That conflict is now reaching its end. Now, rather than losing face and admitting their mistakes, the focus is now being shifted to Israel. A new war against Hamas, let me remind you, created by Israel. Iran being accused by some of funding the operation. Now, Iran just received in the past month six billion, that's billion with a B, dollars from the American government. Iran is an ally with Russia. Iran is joining or has joined the BRICS nations, another whole broadcast in itself. The puppet masters have realized that all the money being shoveled at Zelensky is not going to bring down Russia and Putin. So the chess masters have devised another plan. Pulling the strings of Netanyahu, Biden, and the rest of the war hawks while continuing to fill the coffers of the military industrial complex to march us all into a one world government. That is if they don't nuke us first. Now, another thing I'm going to share with you. The puppets are spewing the same rhetoric. I want you to listen to this. Kids in incubators, and they were thrown out of the incubators so that Kuwait could be systematically dismantled. Three months after Nayira testified, President George H.W. Bush launched the invasion of Iraq. But it turned out Nayira's claims weren't true. Okay. It, no, if you don't know who Nayira was, that's the little girl, 15-year-old girl, that claims that she was working in the hospital, and the, the Iraqi army came into Kuwait hospital, and they, they threw all the babies out of the incubators, and, and the babies laid there and died on the floor. Well, Nayira was the, Israel, or the Kuwait ambassador's daughter. Hillen Knowlton coached Naira to lie and say that in front of Congress, and George H.W. Bush repeated that. Why? To pull the heartstrings of the American people, to get you on board for the first Gulf War. And then we've got this. 
stomach-turning reports of being babies being killed, entire families slain. Babies being killed, entire families being slain. Remind you of anything? Does it remind you of Naira testifying before Congress way back in 1990? Does it remind you of George H.W. Uh, Bush repeating, parroting what Naira said to to jerk the heartstrings of the American people as justification to have support to go into Iraq. Same thing's happening again, folks. Only now, this time, it's to justify support for Israel to go in and carpet bomb and level Gaza. That's what this is. Now, that last statement to me, oh, excuse me. No, let me play the last statement and then I'll comment on it. We now know that American citizens are among those being held by Hamas. I've directed my team to share intelligence and deploy additional experts from across the United States government to consult with and advise Israeli counterparts on hostage recovery, recovery efforts. Because as president, I have no higher priority than the safety of Americans being held hostage around the world. Did you hear that, folks? He has no higher priority than to negotiate for Americans being held hostage around the world. Before I continue, let me respond with this. <laughs> really, Joe? What about the Americans that were left behind when you ordered the abrupt pullout from Afghanistan? What about the American citizen, Gonzalo Lira, who, as I speak, is being held hostage by your buddy, Vladimir Zelensky, in a Ukraine prison for the crime of speaking the truth about the Ukraine war? He was on YouTube, folks, over in Ukraine, Gonzalo Lira. He was telling us what was really going on the ground there, all the propaganda that was coming out. And guess what? They busted in his door and arrested him. An American citizen. He's got dual citizenship, Chilean as well. But that's not the point. The point is he's an American citizen. And Joe Biden has the temerity, the blatant audacity to come on TV and say, there's no high priority, more of a higher priority than me, you know, Negotiating to protect and get the hostages, the American people, out. I call, my BS meter is over the top first. I mean, folks, I mean, just, you know, and George Bush in 1990, lying, knowing he was lying to the American people about the incubator babies. And Naira testifying about it before Congress. And it was later exposed that she was the Kuwaiti ambassador's daughter. And she was coached by the firm Hill and Knowlton, the domestic firm, to tell that lie before Congress and to make it look good and to get really emotional about it. And Joe Biden, 2023, no higher priority than to protect Americans one more time. <laughs> You have to laugh about that, folks, because if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. They know how to pull the heartstrings of the American people because the American people is primarily are, are, are heartfelt, empathetic people. And they use it to further their agenda. Now, tell me, is it just me and my strange way of thinking? Or do others of you out there see or sense these strange anomalies, these weird Deja vu-like comparisons regarding the alleged surprise attack on Israel by Hamas, with political fingers right now as we speak also being pointed at Iran as being the financier of this tragedy. Remember that when mainstream media, and I said this at the first part of this broadcast, remember at the beginning, the same day that we were watching the 9-11 events unfold, Osama bin Laden, every station that you turn to, MSNBC, CNN, you know, ABC, NBC, Osama bin Laden, who's the likely suspect? Osama bin Laden. They're doing that with Iran. And there's a number of reasons why they're doing that with Iran. Remember, Ukraine is a failed project. Their proxy war is failing. All that hundred plus billion dollars that they sent over there, they're going to have to justify that. 
Instead, they up the ante so they can get away with it. And I'm not through on that aspect yet, folks. Stick with me. Yes. And a couple of, uh, you know, reminder here. You remember shortly after 9-11, by the way, I looked for this clip. They've scrubbed it. This clip used to be on YouTube, okay? But conveniently, certain clips that, well, favor or, or disfavor Netanyahu or Bush, you know, hold them in a bad light, okay, and, and, and expose them for what they were doing, expose them for their lies, they've conveniently been scrubbed from YouTube. One of them was shortly after 9-11, and maybe a lot of you, some of you may remember, Netanyahu was quoted as saying, yes, that 9-11 tragedy was good for Israel. This tragedy is also good for Israel as Netanyahu has declared war on the Palestinians, and he is, as I speak, wreaking military havoc on their open-air prison. He's cut off their food. He's cut off their water. And he's cut off their electricity. These people, most of the vast majority of these people, these people aren't military. They're citizens like you and me. When Israel's ambassador to the United Nations spoke outside the uh, Security Council on Sunday, he said, This is Israel's 9-11. This is Israel's 9-11. And meanwhile, in a PBS NewsHour uh, interview, Israel's ambassador to the United States said, this is, as someone said, our 9-11. Well, to that statement, this host, me, Michael Herzog, agrees. For like many, I have done extensive research regarding the events of 9-11, and I am in agreement with thousands of architects and engineers and pilots for 9-11, okay, at their conclusion, the Twin Towers came down in a controlled demolition, along with Building 7, which means explosives were planted prior to the event, concluding that it was planned and premeditated. Now, I want you to do me a favor, folks, for those of you who are listening. On my website, theamericanawakening.org, you will find mapped out what is called the Greater Expansion of Israel Project. It was renamed, it used to be called the Odin Yainan Project in 1982. They renamed it, but it goes back to an idea all the way back to, I believe it was 1896 by a gentleman, a Jewish gentleman by the name of uh, Theodore Herzl, right? The Greater Expansion of Israel Project. It's a map of how, of, 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 of where and how Israel wants to expand into a number of different countries. Go on the, the website, theamericanawakening.org, and take a look at it for yourself. Now, along with that, I, I, while you're in there, I want you to do me another favor. I want you to, there's a video in there. It's only about, I think it's about 40 seconds long, maybe, something like that. There's a video in there of an Israeli building during this this attack with all these rockets going, you know, the Iron Dome didn't function properly that day for some reason. It needed the defense. Isn't that just amazing? The, 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 the soldiers weren't there. The alarms didn't go off. Isn't that just amazing? But I want you to look at the video of an Israeli building collapsing during the attack. And I want you to ask yourself, does that remind you of anything? Take a look at that, and then take a look at uh, uh, one of the towers collapsing on 9-11. Take a look at both of those and see if they're not identical. You know those plumes coming out the side of the building? Those were explosive. Those were detonated charges that were going off to, to damage and disrupt the, uh, the, the columns of the building so it would fall face down into its footprint. That's what happened on 9-11 with not two, but three buildings. Building 7 collapsed at 5.30 in the afternoon. The same thing happened just last week with one of these buildings that was supposedly blown up by one of these Hamas rockets. Looks just like the WCTC towers collapse, folks. So, what are Benjamin Netanyahu's plans? Well, he's already said he's declared war on Hamas. They're already invading uh, uh, the, the Gaza Strip. 
all right? And they're going to show no mercy. But the propaganda abounds, folks, because there's another clip up on the website. And it shows that, that, that Israel, I'm not talking about the Israeli people. The Israeli people, most of them are just as naive or just as uninformed as the rest of America is. I'm talking about the Israeli government. There's another clip, another video of a film being shot, or it's, it's basically a crisis actor that's pretending that she's been hit by a rocket or a bullet or whatever, and they're they're setting up the screen and the and the lighting and so forth for her to lay there so they can film it and throw it up on the screen as propaganda to make you think and jerk your heartstrings that this is the damage that Hamas is causing. It's fake. I'm not saying it's all fake, but I'm saying that one was fake. So. Then there's the late congressman, Jim Traficant, folks, that was interviewed. And this is I, I don't I don't remember exactly um, what year this was. It was I'm going to guess uh, probably around the late 80s to very early 90s. Jim Traficant mysteriously died on his farm. Uh, and the quote was it was a tractor accident. I don't believe that. But I want you to listen to a clip of the late congressman, Jim, Jim Traficant, being interviewed by Greta Van Susteren regarding the influence of Israel over the United States government. Have a listen. Why you target a way of a grudge against the Israelis? The grudge is not necessarily a grudge. It's an objective assessment that no one will have the courage to speak about. They're controlling much of our foreign policy. They're influencing much of our domestic policy. Wolfowitz, as Undersecretary of Defense, manipulated President Bush number two back into Iraq. They pushed definitely, definitely to try and get Bush before he left to move into Iran. We're conducting an expansionist policy of Israel, and everybody's afraid to say it. We're conducting expansionist policies for Israel, and everybody's afraid to say it. Now, with that quote, and this was this was back in the late eight, the late 80s, early 90s. I can't forgive me. I can't tell you the exact date, but Jim Traficant called it out. Okay, and it fits right in perfectly to that map that I told you to go in and take a look at on the AmericanAwakening.org. Go take a look at that map. That's what Jim Traficant was talking about then. And coincidentally, folks, these wars in Syria, you know, and Iraq and, uh, you know, the, the upheaval in Jordan and, and the West Bank and the Gaza Strip and all of this, it conveniently and coincidentally ties right in with that map. Now, one other thing I want to point out here while I'm on this subject is as I said, the war in Ukraine is, is drawing to a close. So they have to divert your your focus somewhere else in order to not be held liable. Ukraine, before it was called Ukraine, was called a different country. That country's name was Kazaria. It's where Ashkenazis came from. You ever heard the term Ashkenazi Jew? And if you look in the Bible under Revelations 2.9 and 3.9, it warns of those who, are, who say they are Jews that are not. Now, that's a story for another day. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, uh, there's a reason why that came to be with Ashkenazi. They converted to Judaism way back in the uh, 8th century or something like that. There's a story behind that. I'm not going to go into that today. Okay. But I'm, I'm just going to tell you that they, they – the – uh, Ashkenazi Jews want that land back for themselves. That is their originating home ground. Okay, so that said, now I'm going to, uh, before I close this out today, I want to share a couple of uh, uh, clips with you. Now, before I do that, uh, give me just a second here because I want to make sure of uh, uh, the time that I have left. Uh, okay, I got, yeah, I've got plenty of time. All right. Anyway, 
that uh, lady that I spoke with you about uh, earlier, Efrat Finnigson, who was in the IDF. And by the way, you're required to go into the IDF. All, all uh, men and women, age of 18 and so forth, it's a requirement that you do. I think it's two years in the Israeli IDF. She was in the Israeli IDF, and she was also in intelligence. This is the lady that I played the clip for you. She says something's very strange here because that could not happen. Okay, for the for the military not to be there, and for the I, you know the AI not to work, and for the alarms not to go off, something's very strange here. But I want to share something else that she said, and I quote: "This is uh, Efrat Finnigson talking." A year ago, there was a military operation in Gaza to prepare for such events, events like, she, like, like what happened last week. And ongoingly, there are trainings for these kinds of scenarios. Now, this raises serious questions for me, talking about Efrat, about Israeli intelligence. What happened? Two years ago, there was a successful deployment of underground barriers with sensors to alert exactly on these kinds of terrorist breaches, she had also stated. She says, Israel has one of the most advanced and high-tech armies in the world. High-tech is the key, folks, not, not, not necessarily in numbers or in, or, or in courage, for that matter. I'll throw that in there, but in high-tech. How come there was zero response to the border and the fence breaching? I cannot understand that, she says. And personally, I served, and I'm going to comment on that in a minute. I served in the IDF for 25 years, or 25 years ago, in the intelligence forces. There's no way, in her view, that Israel did not know of what's coming. And she also goes on to, uh, to, to uh, affirm a cat moving along the fence would trigger those forces. So what happened to the strongest army in the world? How come border crossings were wide open? Something is very wrong here. Something is very strange. The chain of events is very unusual and not typical for the Israeli defense system. Hmm. Now, let me stop on that and throw this at you. Joe Biden currently is being is under investigation. Well, there's an inquiry going on for a possible impeachment. Not that it will happen, but there is an impeachment inquiry that has been opened up. Hunter Biden's laptop is is in the subject, the focus of a massive congressional investigation right now. All right, and there's all kinds of heat. Biden's poll numbers are in the toilet. The Democrats are in a panic. That's on that end. On the other side of the coin, Benjamin Netanyahu has a whole lot. He's in deep doo-doo himself because of allegations and threats. And I believe there's uh, possible indictments coming down the road for fraud, for fel felonious fraud. Okay. His hiney is deep in hot, I mean, deep in hot water. So you've got that to throw into the mix. You've got a focus. And by the way, I want you, I want to, I want you to recall when, when, uh, 9-11 happened. Remember Bush's poll numbers were just, they were falling too, because Bush was taking a whole lot of vacations. You know, a lot of people were questioning, scratching their heads, going, well, this guy's absent. Where is he? He's taking vacations. He's, he's never there. All right. And his poll numbers were going into the toilet. And all of a sudden, 9-11 happened. And what happened? Boom. His, his poll numbers just went up through the roof. During the early days, remember when he got on the aircraft carrier? Okay. And, and, and there was a big sign up in the back and all the military was, was, was clapping for him and so forth. I mean, he was the most popular president and he was standing among the ruins and put his arms around a firefighter and talking about, oh, my God, we're going to get these people that, that took down these towers. And everybody was on his side. It was propaganda, folks. All right. So when there's a war, people have a tendency to get behind, to support the president. Rah, rah, patriotism and all that stuff. That's what's happening here. Not only does it do that, but it shifts the focus upon an impeachment inquiry and also the investigation on Hunter Biden's laptop. Because, folks, the massive, massive criminality that's going on with the Biden family is, I mean, cannot be denied now. 
It cannot be denied. There's too much evidence. Congressional hearings have uncovered way too much. 20 to $50 million of uh, payments, basically uh, uh, blackmail, you know, threats to foreign countries to enhance the Biden family. This is all coming out. This is not a secret. Okay, but a war like this would shift that focus and make people forget because people have short memories anyway. Remember that quote I mentioned at the earlier part of the broadcast, Hosea. All right. My people, my people perish for lack of knowledge. The same thing is going on with Benjamin Netanyahu and his fraud investigations for uh, bribery and uh, uh, election tampering, that sort of thing. I don't remember. I don't know exactly what it is, but I know he's under immense amount of pressure. But. They, the Israeli government has already unified and gotten behind Benjamin, even though they had their arguments in parliament and all that sort of stuff, and they're trying to uh, uh, take him to court and do all this stuff. They're unifying against this common enemy. The common enemy, supposedly Hamas, who, by the way, was promoted by Israel. Back, I mentioned that earlier in the broadcast. Okay, They were promoted by Israel. But all of a sudden, the Palestinians elected Hamas, as their form of government, and they didn't quite go along with the program of the Israelis. Now the Israelis want to bomb them out of existence. See, as long as you play their game, everything's fine, just like what's happening here domestically. As long as you tote the, the, the narrative, you hang a Ukraine flag on your front door or you hang a Israeli flag on your front door, but if you attempt to go against the grain whatsoever and object or say, wait a minute, something's wrong here, all of a sudden you're a white supremacist, you're a terrorist. And by the way, they just put that up on the terrorist watch list recently. Anybody that's a Trump supporter is a suspect of being a terrorist. How many, how many million people is that, folks? It's close to 100 million people. So anything that you don't go along with, they pass a law against it, and they brand you as a terrorist. What's wrong with that equation? Anyway, and then we have them pointing the finger, making the allegations that it's Iran. Now, from my perspective, and I did a lot of research on Iran, so I want to throw this out here so, so the public knows. And, and if anybody, send me an email at theamericanawakening.org if anybody can show me where the nation of Iran has preemptively or aggressively attacked any other nation in the last 296 years. I'd like to see it. Because they're claiming that Iran is close to a nuclear bomb. They may already have one. I don't know. But that's not their that's not their modus operandi. I mean, actions speak louder than words. If you look at the history of the nation of Iran and you see that they have not preemptively attacked anybody in 296 years, or maybe it's 297 now. Okay, all these people, they're claiming that, you know, they've got to get same thing that George Bush said. We've got to get them over there before we get them over here. It's deeper than that, folks. For those of you, and this is, again, this is another broadcast for another day, the BRICS Nations Agreement, where China and Russia and India and I think, uh, let's say BRICS, uh, I think it's South America, or not South America, um, uh, Brazil maybe? I'm not sure. I'd have to look at exactly who it is. But they're, they're, they're dumping the U.S. dollar for oil. And they're starting to use a gold-backed currency, or they're trading in their own denominations. The powers that be, oh, by the way, this is what happened when, when prior to in the invasion of Iraq, Saddam Hussein started uh, a, what they call an oil-for-food program. He started trading his oil in euros. That was a big no-no. That was the beginning of the demise of Saddam Hussein. Same thing with Muammar Gaddafi in Libya. Libya, uh, Muammar Gaddafi was going through the African nations and having uh, conferences with heads of state to start using the gold-backed dinar instead of the United States dollar. That was the beginning of the end for Muammar Gaddafi. So this is a trend. Anybody that goes against the narrative or decides that they don't want to use the dollar is on their hit list. And um, uh, John Perkins, Confessions of an Economic Hit Man. If you've never read that book, I would suggest that you go read it because it, it, it spells out exactly what the United States government does in their intelligence sources, CIA and whatever, to 
infiltrate or to subvert or to overthrow a government. They give them a choice, you know, just like they did with the Taliban. We'll give you a carpet of gold or we'll give you a carpet of bombs. Take your choice. Well, the Taliban choose, chose the bombs. The carpet of gold is for the United States government to go in there and, and you know, uh, harvest all of the poppy fields for the opium and, uh, and, and bring it back to the United States. The Taliban didn't go along with that, so we invaded them. But the cover story was that Osama bin Laden was hiding in one of those elaborate caves that was all fixed up on the inside. Uh, 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 what's his name? Rumsfeld was showing pictures of it on national TV of how elaborate it was. And it literally looked like the inside of an upscale condominium. I mean, it was all laid out and had, you know, refrigerator, phone. I don't know how they got electricity in there. <laughs> but again, it was propaganda. Okay. Um, so at the end of the day, Michael Rivero, uh, host on, uh, uh, used to be a host on RBN, Republic Broadcasting Network, wrote uh, a book or maybe it was a long article called All Wars Are Bankers' Wars. They finance both sides. And as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, in this broadcast, that the, there are controllers that are controlling both sides. These players that we see, the empty suits that we see open their mouths and lie to us, like Joe Biden, like Benjamin Netanyahu, their strings are just being pulled by the puppet masters, okay? Because there's a larger agenda involved here. And David Icke, like him or hate him and think he's a conspiracy theorist or he's nuts because he talked about reptilians, he's right. There's a bigger agenda involved here. Now, Iran is in the crosshairs. Can they prove? I mean, Washington Times, I believe, came out with an article the other day. talking. You know, they already blamed Iran for, you know, financing and, and, and organizing this assault. Well, my question to them is, how did they know? Who gave them the intelligence that quickly? It reminds me, and it's tantamount to all of these in unison mainstream media outlets coming out the day of 9-11 saying that, well, all signs point to Osama bin Laden. Remember? And remember, if you looked on the FBI terrorist watch list, you know, the 10 most wanted list, Osama bin Laden was number one, but he was never listed he was never listed for the attacks on 9-11. And then they claimed that they took Osama bin Laden out, and it was in 2011 by SEAL Team 6, and they caught him in Abbottabad, Pakistan. Well, what happened to him hiding in a cave in Afghanistan? You know, the one that was elaborate, looked like a condominium, and had all the electricity and all the fine comforts of home? No, he was in Pakistan, supposedly. But there are reports that I have seen, uh, more than one, that showed that Osama bin Laden actually passed away uh, in, what was it, 2001. One says 2001, the other one says, I think, 2000. But isn't it coincidental that during the attacks on 9-11, when they grounded all of the planes, the bin Laden family was conveniently flown out of this country when no airplane could leave the ground? Now, what kind of connections do you have to have to be able to do that? That's my question. So, all right, so what's going on here? Let's see. Uh, <laughs> I've got, yeah, forgive me folks, I've got some new equipment that I'm using here and I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> I'm kind of playing around with it a little bit today. But uh, uh, yeah, all of that's really interesting, but there's, there, there's one more thing that I want to touch on you with before uh, I leave you for the day. And this is uh, out of the Truth Seeker, okay? And the headline is, Ukraine sold weapons to Hamas to be used against Israel. And this was dated uh, October the 9th. So it says, during the intense fighting which broke out yesterday between Hamas and Israel, astonishing things took place. Despite the most advanced intelligence and surveillance systems in the world, Palestinians allegedly broke through into Israel, somehow unnoticed by all of the surveillance gear. And one Israeli border guard said that our systems could see if a bird was flying in, yet authorities would have us believe they couldn't see dozens of Palestinians on motorized <laughs> paragliders in the air. It's simply not possible. They let it happen on purpose. Either that or 
Maybe those people that were dressed up with the masks on are actually Israelis. I don't know. Another Israeli said, Mossad knows when these people, and he's talking about Hamas, take a dump in the bathroom. Yet we're supposed to believe Mossad had no idea this gigantic operation was being planned. Israel had the best intelligence on its neighbors of any nation on earth. Israel has lots of assets embedded in these various terrorist uh, organizations, as well as SIGINT, S-I-G-I-N-T, including U.S. satellite data, which allows Israel to always have a finger on the pulse of these organizations. There is no way in, well, hell, that a coordinated major attack involving about a thousand Hamas fighters, sea-based, land-based aerial attacks could have been planned, coordinated, and executed without Israeli intelligence getting wind of it. Zero chance. Others had similar statements of anger and disbelief. One IDF soldier who saw Palestinians using a drone to destroy an Israeli Merkova tank said, where did the Palestinians get drones with armor-piercing explosives? That technology is being used in the Ukraine-Russia conflict. How did it suddenly appear here in Israel? And other IDF soldiers pointed to anti-tank guided missiles being used against Israeli security forces. And he said, these weapons are being seen on the Ukraine battlefields. How did they get into the Gaza Strip? Isn't that just interesting, folks? So, continuing this a little bit further, let's see. Uh, goes on to say, the Pentagon has found no evidence that any Ukraine aid has been diverted into Ukraine. What a surprise. And then they go on to say that Russia has established a long-term disinformation strategy in Ukraine's allies targeting support for aid to Ukraine, which includes unfounded claims on Ukraine aid such as this. Now, when I end this broadcast today, I want to, I want to end it where I started. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Now, that's not a quote from George Bush. George Bush, if you remember correctly, he flubbed that when he says, fool me once, shame on, shame on you, fool me twice. Well, you, know, you can't get fooled again. <laughs> anyway, you get the idea. The point that I'm trying to make in this broadcast today is don't believe what you're hearing on ma mainstream media. Don't believe it because they're just like they did in 9-11, just like they did with Saddam Hussein, just like they did in Afghanistan, just like they did in uh, Syria, just like they have done in Libya, just like they have done numerous times. The playbook is the same. The narrative is the same. The only thing that changes is the geographic locale and the leader of that geographic locale. So right now, folks, I'm seeing... Put your radar up, turn on your BS meter to full volume, okay? Pay close attention to what's going on. And for all practical purpose, for those of you who are out there that, you know, just go along to get along and you work eight to five and go home and you, you drink your beer at the end of the night or you watch mainstream news, do like I did 17, let's see, what was it? Well, it'd be 20 years ago, close to. Get up out of your seat, go over to the internet, Get on a search engine, not Google, because they're part of it, DuckDuckGo or Yandex.com, somebody that will give you all sides of it. Do your own research. Do your own investigation and arrive at your own conclusions. That's the only way that we're all going to be able to realize what's being done to us. Folks, if you think... A lot of people say, well, you know, it doesn't affect me or as long as it doesn't happen to me, I'm okay. It's happening to you right now. You're being used as a pawn in the game. And there are so many, and I will touch on these issues in later podcasts. There are so many things that are affecting you right now that you don't even realize yet. And you're never going to realize it until it comes up and slaps you in the face or drops a bomb on your head before you do realize it. So all I'm saying is keep your head about you, get off your seat, go take a look. Thanks for listening. This is Michael Herzog, The American Awakening. I'll see you next time, hopefully sooner rather than later. Bye for now. 